We're going to be learning with Kutisichlis, Chelek Tazvav, the third Sikha of Parshas Era, where we're going to be discussing the famous Medrash regarding Avram Avinu, that he was Makri, he called, uh, caused others to call on the name of Hashem. And this is based on, on a Gemara in the Sechasaita, Daf Yud Avamadala. So it tells us in this week's Parsha that after Avram Avinu planted the Aisha, it says, and he called over there in the name of Hashem, the God of the world. The Gemara tells us, Don't read it as he proclaimed. Rather, you should do it as he caused others to proclaim. Which teaches us that Avram caused all the passerbys to, to call out and to proclaim the name of Hashem. How did he do this? Because after they would eat and drink, they would stand up to blessing. He would tell them, did you eat from my food? You ate, Mishal Elokei Oilam. So therefore, he tell them, get up and pray, praise to the He should thank and bless the one who said and the world came into being. So the marshal explains that what was the problem in the Pasuk? Why is there an Al-Tikre? So the reasoning is because since it's bringing this idea of specifically after he planted the Eshel, there must be a connection of Avram Avinu planting the Eshel and him calling specifically there so since the purpose of the Eshel was for passerbys, was for people to eat from the fruits, so according to another interpretation, the Eshel was, was an inn that he made. Therefore, the idea that is being put together is to tell us that he caused the people who are passing by also to call on the name of Hashem. So this particular medrash uh, from Gemar, from Sachasayit Daf Yud is actually brought in four places in Bereshus Rabbah, and some of them, some of them add certain details. So the first time that it's mentioned is in Parshal Lamites, at the end of Parshal Lamites on the Bereshus Rab. That's the first time we see it. And it's brought also, like the Gemara on this Pasuk, V'yikra B'Shem Hashem. But over there it only brings, the, doesn't tell us at all about the story of, of, of Avram and, and them getting up and blasting. All it mentions to us is the main point that he caused Shehikra Avram Avim L'Shmai Shal The second time we see it is in Parshal Mem Gimel, Oizai. And over there it adds a very important detail. Over there, it's, on the, it's referring to the story of Avram after he fought against the four kings, and he comes back with the kings of Sodom, and Malki Tzedek comes out to greet him. And Malki Tzedek gives Avram a blessing. He says, Baruch Avram lekel Elioin koinish arts, which literally means thank Avram, or blessed be Avram, um, by God, the Koinishman Arts, the creator of heaven and earth, or the acquirer of heaven and earth. So the Medrash learns that when it says Koinishman Arts, that actually doesn't go on, on Hashem, that Hashem is the Koinishman Arts, rather it's Avram Avinu who is the one that is Koin, that he made a king in, in Shemaim Arts. And he explains that because of, he brings the whole story how Avram would be Makri Bechal, all the people who would pass by, he would get them to call in the name of Hashem, and he brings down the same story that the Gemara brings down. He says, through that, Hashem says, Avram Avinu, you made me recognizable amongst my, my creations. Therefore, you're, become, you're going to become a shutaf imi. You're going to become my partner. And according to this, that's what Malki Tzedek was telling him, that that you became a shutaf. You became koina. You're actually a king in Shemayim Arts. So according to this, it's, Malki Tzedek is telling him, that Avram Avinu is the koina Shemayim Arts. The third time that it's mentioned is in Parsha Memtes, the Oisei, and this is the really the focus of the Rebbe Sifa is going to be on this third Medrash. So it brings the same idea as the um, as the Gemara, 
but it adds a very, very important detail. This is a famous part of, uh, of, of the story, which is what happens if they didn't want to say thank you. So he tells us that after he would tell them, why are you blank, uh, thanking me, thank Hashem. So some of them would then go and thank Hashem, while their others would say, we're not so interested. We'd rather just pay. We're not interested. So he'd say, tell them, if you're not interested, then you have to pay. And then he gives them very high sums. Oh, you want the bottle of wine that you had? Very high amount of money. You want the bread? Very high. And the reasoning is because you're in the desert. This, by the way, it doesn't mean the desert that the Eden were in. Avram Avinu was an heir to Israel, so I'm assuming it means uh, the Judean desert somewhere around where Avram would have been at that time. But he was in an area which was uh, probably the Judean desert, something like that. And he tells them in this particular area, food it's hard to get food and drink, therefore would have been much more valuable. So at that point, because of the Aqsa, because of the uh, uh, pressure that he was putting on them, they went and they thanked Hashem. And the Medrash tells us this is the meaning of the Pasuk, of Yudaiti, that Hashem tells Avraham Avinu that I became known to you, or I made myself known to you, in order that the man in order that you will do tzedakah and mishpat. And he explains what does that mean? Because betchila Avraham would do tzedakah, and at the end he would do mishpat. Uh, some of Forshim explain the problem with the pasuk is the sure should have said mishpat and then tzedakah, because mishpat is like the letter of the law, while tzedakah is to do more. Why first tzedakah and mishpat? So the reasoning is because it was actually referring to what Avraham Avinu was doing. That first he would give tzedakah, he would allow them to come in, uh, and he would give them food and drink, and if they thanked Hashem, it was just tzedakah. But if they didn't want to thank Hashem, then he would be mishpat, you'd say, look, this is what the value is, you would have to pay in this and this amount of money, and, he, and then they would thank Hashem. But that would have been through betchila with tzedakah at the end, if they didn't want to thank Hashem, then it wasn't tzedakah, then it was a mishpat, he would make a cheshbin with them. And the fourth time it was, it's brought, it's brought in Parshan Nandal, and that's exactly how it is in the Gemara. It doesn't mention anything about Kfia, so it doesn't add any, I'm um, sure it does add details, but nothing that's relevant for our shir. And also the Toysa Shant on the Sechasaita um, adds certain details. He, he, he brings um, that he would tell them to bless Hashem, and then he said they, all of them, they didn't, it sounds like he's saying none, they didn't want to bless Hashem. So then he would tell them what the cost of it was in the very high sons. Then they would bless Hashem, they would bless Hashem against their will. Why? That was on condition because they didn't want to pay anything. So the Taste of Shans is telling us a little bit different than the Medrash. The Medrash mentioned that there are two groups. One group was willing to, you know, once Hashem, Moshe being told, uh, told them to either you bless Hashem or pay, they're, uh, sorry, he tells them, don't bless me, bless Hashem. They bless Hashem right away. And then there's a second group that still don't want to bless Hashem. Therefore, he says, you know what? If you don't want to pay, if you don't want to bless Hashem, you're going to pay a high, very high sum. And then when they were praying. According to the Taste of Shantz, he doesn't mention the differences of the two groups. Rather, he just says, when they didn't want to pay, he would say you'd have, but they didn't, sorry, when he, they, they, they would say, we don't want to uh, bless Hashem, he would tell them the high sum. And then against their will, they would say, we are. Uh, we're going to bless Hashem because basically they didn't want to pay. So that's the, the Medrash. So what's hard to understand is what exactly was the point of a Romavinu forcing them to bless Hashem? So Mada, if they did it willingly or if he, you know, he tells them about Hashem, fine, that makes a lot of sense. But according to the Medrash, that, the third Medrash that we mentioned, that there was a group that didn't want to do it. And according to Taisa Shantz, he says that was everybody who didn't want to actually bless Hashem. What's the point of like forcing them to bless Hashem? How does that make, what's the pula? What's the effect? How are you being a farsam lakos 
by forcing someone to bless Hashem. And the Rebbe asks, uh, adds in the Chatzir Raguah, as Chatzir Eagle, in the parentheses, he says, Ein mol by Avram. What's the what's the purpose of their saying one time to because of Avram Avinu Baruch Kel Elyon? What's the point? Which I believe could be that the Rebbe is trying to add over there that it's Ein mol because you could give such an answer, and I think some of Forshim do, that maybe there's such a concept of Mateich Shalei Lishma that when someone does something, even if it's the wrong reason, eventually it becomes for the right reason. So very pahashtas, what's the pshat over there is, is that when you become accustomed to doing something, even if initially you're doing it for the wrong reasons, but then eventually it becomes who you are and you start doing it for the right reasons. So initially you don't want to do it, you're being forced, but then it becomes part of your nature or even a better scenario, uh, you, you actually start doing it with a kavana for the right purposes. But saying by doing it one time, that's not changing their nature, it's not making them accustomed to it. So what would be the purpose? We, we know the Rebbe continues that by, uh, by Yid, there's such a concept that when you force a Yid to do the right thing, that's what his true desire is. Uh, this is a, a famous Ramam that the Rebbe brings regarding, uh, we know that the Lacha is by a get. The get has to be given by the husband to the wife uh, willingly. You can't force him to give the get. In a situation with a based in Paskins, that he has, he has an obligation to divorce her, and he still refuses, says he, they hit him until he says, Roitzani. So, of course, the question is, what's the purpose of hitting him until he says, right, son, he doesn't want to give the get. So by forcing him to say, I want it, doesn't actually mean that he actually wants it. He didn't really change his mind. So the shot is that, as the Ramadan explains, that every yid really does want to do what Hashem wants. But there are certain forces within him that are stopping him. You know, if it's anger, if it's jealousy, whatever it is that's holding him back, that's the, he, he, he knows what the right thing is, and that's what he wants to do within him. He knows what he's supposed to be doing in this situation. But there's forces within him that are stopping him. So by hitting him, what you're really doing is you're, you're, you're showing him that it's, you're basically breaking uh, those boundaries and those obstacles in front of him. And then his true desire, what he knows is right, what he really wants to do, um, it becomes revealed. And therefore, he says, right, Sani. He says, but this is only a halacha that we have by a yid. That because since a yid uh, has a nefesh of a kiss within him. Therefore, naturally, what his true desire is, is to do the Ratzon of Hashem and to do what the Torah Mitzvah tells us to do. Hashem came by a guy, he doesn't have that. So therefore, by breaking him or forcing him to say something that he doesn't want to say, L'chaira doesn't awaken within him some true desire that he always had. He doesn't have a nefesh of a kiss. So why, by trying to break him and force him to say, Baruch Hashem Kelelion, that L'chaira doesn't reveal any inner, his true desire to bless Hashem. So what would be the purpose of what Avram Avinu is doing? Um, so we, we, so the, the Rebbe brings a Yefei Tayar. So just to point out that Yefei Tayar, there's two versions of it. There's the Yefei Tayar HaKatzer, which that's printed, uh, that's, that's the shorter version, and they call the, the Vilna edition. And then there's the Yefei Tayar HaShalom, which is the complete version. Um, so in the Pnim, the Rebbe brings the answer of the, in the short version. And then the bottom, he brings, he tells, tells you to look at the Yifei Tar Shalom, quotes different parts of it, and tells you that it's the Chayra B'Eif and Acher. So it seems like it's two different uh, interpretations from the, the shorter version and the longer version. So let's just go through it, and we'll see uh, what he answers and why the Rebbe is not completely satisfied with that answer. So first of all, even before you, we, we mention the part that's relevant, uh, he does ask an interesting question, is... What, how was Avram Avinu allowed to for? How was he able to force them to pay? He invited them in as guests, as a chanasus archim, 
And then when they don't want to bless Hashem, he says, oh, you don't want to bless Hashem, then you got to pay me. When you, they, you can't, you, you, you could say that before they, like, if, by the way, if you don't bless Hashem afterwards, I'm going to force you to pay. But you can't do that after you, they've already eaten. You gave it to them. You gave them the food without conditions. Now it's their food. They were allowed to eat it. You can't come back afterwards with conditions. It's, it seems like basic Allah. So he explains that it was well known that Avram Avinu, you know, the reason why people would come to him, that it was well known that he was Machnas and that he was mon- monotheist and that he would, he would need to bless Hashem. So the people that were coming understood that they would have to bless Hashem. Uh, so therefore, what, what, what was really happening is that the, the individuals that didn't want to and he was forcing them to pay was because they had the impression that it's up to me. I could pay or I can bless Hashem. So I'd rather just like pay. So they would come in and they would pay. But once they realized the high sum that would cost them, then they realize, then, then they decide, you know what, it's not worth it. So they're coming in, I'm assuming with the assumption that we'll just pay whatever the cost is. But once they realize how high the cost is, they it kind of, they're forced, they have no option at that point, And therefore against their will, they need to bless Hashem. Okay, so that's just an introduction. So the, the Yifetayer asks, uh, the question of the Rebbe, the Smi Shalom, it's similar, not exactly the same, that he says, he uses the expression of, it seems like this is a la'ah, this is a joke that he's feeding them in order to say that they believe in Hashem. Like, what type of joke is this? It's, here, here's, here's a meal, say you believe in God, <laughs> and then you can have it. Like, the whole thing doesn't seem like, a, what's the point of it? Like, it doesn't seem like it accomplishes anything. It's like, it's like some type of like a, some type of bad joke or, or, or bad representation or PR for himself. What, what would that be accomplishing? So there he gives two answers. So in the Yufeta Harkatzer, he tells us that Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu had to fulfill his obligation. So he says, even though it's possible that they were lying, and the only reason they're blessing Hashem is Ba'inis, Mikal Malkim Avram Hashem. Avram Avinu did this in order to fulfill his obligation and if they and if they're lying they're tricking him and they're not blessing with a full heart then the, the sin is theirs not his so he says the reason why Avram did this even though it could be that they're lying and it's, you know, he's forcing them and, and they don't mean it at all it's because he has to fill his obligation it's not clear to be honest what exactly does the Fayetair mean he has to fulfill his obligation. Isn't so what, what was Avram Avinu's obligation? He has an obligation to make, get, make them bless Hashem. Um, so Mifetar Hashem, we'll get to in a moment, seems like he has an explanation for that, but, but the Rebbe says it's an Acher. So I think wh- how the Rebbe is learning it, but I could be wrong, is that his obligation was to Mepharsim Elokus, was to spread God, spread the idea of Hashem in the world. His idea was to become a Shutta, to spread the name of Hashem in the world. And the way that he accomplished that was through the Mach Nesayrech and, and, you know, as the Medrash explains, giving food, etc., etc. So his chayvah was to teach about the Imun of Pirsamalakus. So therefore, he did whatever he could do. So if people are interested, great. If they're not, he, he forced them to do it. So he, he fulfilled his obligation. He did as much as he can in order to do what he was supposed to do. And you can hope that hopefully when they're actually blessing Hashem, you know, even if it's one out of a hundred, maybe some, some of them believe it. You know, that, 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 that was his idea. But the Rebbe is not satisfied with this chat for two reasons. First of all, 
again, what's really the point? If the purpose is to be mefarsim elakos, by forcing someone to say that they're blessing Hashem, we're saying he has to fulfill his obligation. His obligation is not to get someone to say Baruch Hashem Hashem and That's not his obligation. His obligation is to be mefarsim elakos. So if his obligation to farsim lakus by forcing them to say it one one time, that's not being a farsim lakus. They're being forced to do it. It's not something that they truly desire. And as we already explained before, you know, doing it one time and they don't have an extra lakus, so that when they're being forced, they wanna they actually meant it. So the pastors say don't mean it. So that, therefore, what will be the point of it? And second of all, as we brought to the medrash that Avram Avinu became a shutif. Why? Because you made me recognizable. You made me known by people. So it's mashma that it was a real thing. It wasn't a fake type of uh, recognition that he just got them to say with lip service, but it was a true hikarti oisvinabiris. That's what the Medrash says. You made me recognizable. And and as the Rebbe tells us, that we could fit it as mizomachalakdan. We don't find that it differentiates that this was only said by those that had, that were payal. Uh, that he was able to affect, to be able to pile on them without any type of pressure. The Medrash doesn't say that when, when is it this is the only when uh, they did it willingly. After he tells them to do it, they do do it willingly. The Medrash is not Machalak. So therefore the Mashmoy says that whether he was forced or not, he was fulfilling the idea of I should point out that in the Medrash actually the Rebbe is quoting, which was the second Medrash of earlier, he actually doesn't mention the difference between the two groups. In that particular medrash, it just tells us this, similar to what the Gemara is, that he tells them, uh, they get up to bless him, you know, they get up to bless him, and he tells them, you have to bless Hashem. It doesn't actually tell you what happened. Like, did they bless Hashem? Did they not bless Hashem? He just tells them what he did. So I guess you could be doichik to say that from the, this that the medrash doesn't say what happened afterwards, maybe he's only referring to the group. He's assuming that, okay, at that point, they, they said thank you to Hashem. The Rebbe doesn't learn that way, uh, probably because there's a concept of you don't add in arguments. In the Medrash itself, it's brought in four places, and there's no indication that the Medrash that's being brought later, the third Medrash, is only according to one opinion that there was a difference in groups. The Pashas, all the Midrashim are just adding different details, what's relevant to that particular Pasuk that it's being brought on. So there's no argument about what actually occurred. So if there is a difference of opinion of what occurred, it should have been mentioned in the Medrash. So therefore, you have to take all the Midrashim, they're all going with one opinion, so all the Midrashim are agreeing that there's some who agreed, some who didn't, but the Medrash is still telling us that by what he was doing, that he was telling them, don't bless me, bless Hashem, that's what caused the character of and it's not Mechalik about how did he get to, how did he get to do that, how, how did he get them to actually bless Hashem. The Medrash is not Mechalik over there, it just tells us what he told them to do. It's only a much later Medrash that tells us, oh, by the way, there's two groups, some said yes right away, some he had to force. But the Mashmois is from the Medrash that actually brings this idea that of Ramavim became a Shutif, it was just by the first part alone that he becomes a Shutif. And then how it kind of worked out afterwards, if he had to be forced or not, that's just details of how it actually occurred. But the main point is either way of how it occurred would have made it a shutup in my separation. Well, but why? Again, he's not actually making them recognizable. To, uh, but he's not making Hashem recognizable. It's just lip service. The Yafetar does bring another shot. This is the Yafetar Hashalam. Um, which the Rebbe says it's Ba'ifanacher. The Colossian is in our. Eight, 
he says that Avram Avinu's main concern is that he didn't want his table with his shulchan elias mugula, that his shulchan should be disgusting by having reikim and puchusim, like lowly and empty people, sitting at his table and he's feeding them. Therefore, he had an obligation to get them to bless Hashem. So it was enough, she is varth Hashem mipikot afla. It was enough in order that his table should not be a disgusting table. It's enough that they just thank Hashem. Um, and then he continues, and he says also, in most situations, once they're makabalit upon themselves like the chaverim, they would be makabalit with a lat uh, And according to this, he says, he, he explains also the idea of mishpat, that he says, initially he was mafarsin lakus to a way of tzedakah, you know, just a knast orchim, and that means without any tainas, they, they said yes, he would tell them about Hashem, and that was it, it was tzedakah. And if they didn't want to bless Hashem, then he was mafars malakus through the idea of mishpat. Meaning, you tell them either you pay or you bless Hashem. And he says there is a symbolism over there. The symbolism was that if you're saying that there's no Hashem, I mean, if you say that there's Hashem, then you can have this at Sadaka. Why? Because if you believe in Hashem, then you believe in Hashkach Pratis that Hashem gave me this food in order to eventually give it to you. That's the idea of Sadaka. It's not also kind of the idea of righteousness, is that Hashem gives some more than others in order for that person to be able to give it to the individuals that are supposed to get it. So he's saying, if you believe in Hashem, then of course you deserve it in a way of tzedakah, because you know that Hashem gave it to me only to give it to you. But if you don't believe in Hashem, then then it's mine. So if you want something that's mine, I earned it, I made it myself, if this is my property, then you're going to have to pay me for it. And when they agree, okay, we will pay you for it, you tell them, okay, then you have to pay a very large sum of money because we're in the desert. Meaning, he's saying, if you don't believe that Hashem created the heavens and the earth, he says, then where, do the, where does everything come from? Everything is really yesh ma'ayin, but if you don't believe in this idea of yesh ma'ayin, then where is it coming from? And that's what he was hinting at, saying is, we're in the desert. We're very far away from food and drink. Therefore, it's extremely difficult to get food and drink, and therefore, that's why it's so expensive. And he's hinting to them, if you, that's just by food and drink, when we're in a different area, it's so difficult to come by food and drink. Imagine if there was ayin, and then all of a sudden there was a yesh, who caused that to happen? You can imagine how difficult and hard that would be. So when he's, even when he's causing them to pay, there was a certain hint in it. But either way, what we're seeing from this medrash is that he is somewhat, um, he is somewhat also has this issue that the Rebbe is mentioning, that how could you say that it was just lip service? You know, there's an idea of hakarti it's mashma that it was real. Especially if we go back to the original question of the Yefei Tire, is that he he said initially that it's a joke to feed people in order to makabda muna, and the answer that he's giving is that the problem is that you're not allowed to give people who are rakim and pachusim, people who are empty and lowly, and therefore he had to do as much as he can that they wouldn't be empty and lowly. But of course, what, by getting forcing them to bless Hashem, how does that? resolve the issue. They're still not believing in Hashem. So if you're telling us that it's us to be bechayin, it's us to give, to be gracious to Baalei or lowly individuals, by getting them to bless Hashem, they're still lowly individuals if they don't actually believe it. Elamai, what he's trying to tell us by that right, that most people would actually accept it, and, and like their friends, and they would uh, bless Hashem with a full heart, that's the reason why they're not considered wakim and lowly individual and pchusim anymore. Okay, so that's that's really the question of the sicha. So the question is, 
how exactly was Avram Avinu by forcing them to bless Hashem? How did that have any effect? Why would that have transformed them to believers in Hashem? So to understand this, we, we're going to have to discuss this concept of forcing, a bitush, the idea of forcing someone to believe in, believe in Hashem. Uh, this, this idea is discussed in Tanya, especially in Perkhav Tess. Uh, and the idea is that there, there's, generally there's two ways of bimavatish. So the way that we've been discussing until now is a one-time vitush. Like Avram Avinu get, needs them to do something, to bless Hashem. So at a one-time thing, he forces them to bless it. But they didn't actually change what they truly desire in a conscious way. Meaning subconsciously, who knows? Consciously, they do not want to bless Hashem. He forces them, so they bless Hashem, but still consciously, they, they don't believe in Hashem. Right? So it's a one-time change, but the conscious Ratzin, the, or the, the Hasidus calls it the Ratzin Chutzani, the external Ratzin has not changed. He still doesn't want to bless Hashem. But there's another time when you could do a Bittush, that the Bittush actually changes what they truly want. That even externally, even in their conscious, they now want to do what Hashem wants. Uh, and the example of this would be from the Miragul. And it tells us in Gemara, Saito Daflamid Hei, um, it tells us that when they came back, they said, one of the things the Miraglim said is that Hashem is stronger memenu, which means memenu, Hashem is stronger than us. So the Gemara says, Do not read it that they're stronger than us, rather memenu from Hashem. As Ki'ilu the Balabas is not able to take his Kalim out from there. What's going on over here? So the Pshat is, the Guriyah explains, is that the Muraglim have been explaining how weak they are. They're like grasshoppers relative to the Canaanites. So what does it mean that they're stronger than us, which implies that we're strong? We just said we're like grasshoppers. So, so it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. If, what does it mean, which is giving some implication that we also have strength? So rather, the Gemara is learning when it says it doesn't mean the Yidin. Rather, it means even Hashem. So the Hashem, they agree, Hashem is taka very strong. But the Muraglim is saying that even Hashem wouldn't be able to accomplish anything. And what does the Al-Tikri mean? Um, so the rabbi actually brings it in Aras and Tanya, because this, this Lashon is also brought in Tanya, Per Kaftas. He quotes, uh, first of all, from uh, the Gemara and Erech and the which the Gemara is also brought. And this, he says, this is Girsus Taisus. So Taisus actually has, so the Gemara, the, the Tanya that is using this Al-Tikri is going according to Girsus Taisus that he holds of it. But the truth is Rashi, does not hold of this gear. So Rashi says you should take out the words al right? because it's, you're reading the same thing. Memenu means him. Memenu can mean, uh, can mean us. So mean, don't read Memenu, read Memenu. It's, it's, you're reading it exactly the same way. What, what the Gemara is really just trying to say is don't translate it or don't, you know, don't be mafarish it as us, but ra- rather as him. <coughs> but the explosion of al wouldn't really make so much sense. So he takes out the gear. But Tysus keeps it. And Tysus gives this idea that it's possibly that Memenu uh, could be spelt in different ways. It could be read with a, uh, not with, a, Memenu could be read with, and uh, it could also bring some R. If I understand this correctly, you could spell Memenu also with, its, with uh, not dog, which means it's Memenu, with, with uh, which would mean from us, Memenu with the Tseri under it. So the Gemara is saying, don't read it Memenu, meaning it's from us, but rather you should read it Memenu, which means Hashem. That's how the Arch explains it. So we may knew with the Tzere, and no, it's supposed to be with the Sagal, which is Meman Nu. Okay, either way, uh, the point is that the Muragam did not believe that Hashem had the capability to win the war, help them win the war against the Canaanites. Uh, 
What happens? It says that Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to them harshly and he tells them how they're not going to go up, they're going to die inside the Midbar. And then once he speaks to them harshly, it says, They become very uh, saddened, they became misavil. And then they says, you know what, we are ready to go up. So initially, they didn't want to go up. They believe they're going to be killed. And then once Moshe Rabbeinu speaks harshly to them and tells them what's going to happen to them in the desert, that not only that changes who they are. Now they want to go up. So we see that there was a bitush that was given by Moshe Rabbeinu, and because of the bitush, that actually changed what they wanted, which is interesting. As, as the Rebbe explains in Tanya, there was no miracles or wonders that were done at that moment of time. It says the Maragam actually died according to some Zainelo, Yud Zainelo. So they died at a later point of time, so there's no miracles that happened. Rather, Moshe Rabbeinu was getting up and giving them this harsh uh, prophecy from Hashem that they're not going to go to Israel, they're just going to die in the desert, that breaks them. And because that they were broken, therefore, they cry and they want to go up and they're ready to go up, so it changes what the Ratzin is. So here we're seeing an example of what sometimes the Bittush can change even the conscious Ratzin. Um, another example, we're going to see, uh, even in this idea of Bittush, there's really two levels of Bittush, as we're going to show over here. Uh, a bitush, I'm sorry, a bitush that will change the person's ruts and chutzayni, there's in that itself there could really be two darvas. So it tells us in the Mishnah in Pirgyavis in the sixth chapter, it says that every single day there's a there's a baskel that leaves out, uh, goes out from Har Sinai, and it says, woes to the disgrace of the Torah. So the question is, why is that being said in the negative, that whoever is not Isaac B'tayra is called a Nazif? Why doesn't it use the positive, that whoever is Isaac B'tayra has all these fantastic and, and amazing miles? So the explanation is because what we're talking about over here is not necessarily, it says, It says, It says, is usually meant as a derogatory type of term. Meaning is that they, the only quality that they have is that Hashem created them. On their own, everything that they've done, whoever they are, their personalities, whatever they're accomplished, that has no value. That's uh, basically burnished. The only quality this type of person has is that he was, he was a Bria, that Hashem created. And that's the quality that he had, that, that he's from Hashem's handiwork. So such an individual, he's not shy at that point of time to appreciate the qualities of the Torah. So as a regular Yid, even if he's not the great Sadiq, but a regular individual, all you need to do to awaken him to Torah Mitzvah is to talk about the qualities of the Torah Mitzvah, and, and that will awaken within him his Neshama that he, he, he wants to become close to Torah Mitzvah. He wants to learn Torah Mitzvah. He reveals his true desire. But over, now we're talking about a Bria, meaning his, his Koychus Pnimiyam, his Seichel, his Midas, are not aligned at all with Torah Mitzvah. He's just a Bria. The only thing that he has is that Hashem created him. But his personality, who he is, his principles in life, his things that he values, all of that is different than Torah So talking about the quality of Torah that's not going to awaken within him some type of love for Torah because it's not part of the way he thinks or, or the way that he is. So the only way to affect such an individual is by breaking him in a certain way. When you t- discuss how he's, a, uh, he dis, uh, he's an albina, that he's a nozuf, he's someone that disgraces the Torah. So that type of individual, once he feels that he's something which is separate and far away from the Torah, that can have an effect on him. Meaning is that his neshama, again, we're talking about a baskal. A baskal you don't hear physically. 
Daskal is something that the Neshama hears Lamaila. So the Neshama Lamaila hears this idea that he's a Nazif, he's something that's very distant and far and causing the Torah to be disgraced. That has an effect within the Neshama within him. And the Neshama within him gives him this feeling of how distant and how far away he is from Torah and that's in him to do tshuva. So, so the point is that, again, we're talking about the first type of shavira that we're talking about is an individual that you cannot convince him by talking to him about the qualities of the Torah is because that's just not the way who he is. The only way to convince him um, to change his lifestyle is by showing him how far away he is from the Torah, by how distant he has become, because he cannot appreciate the qualities of the Torah, but he is able to feel how far away that he's becoming. I guess even at maybe this possibility, he is a Bria at the end of the day. He knows that Hashem created him to a certain extent. He has this recognition that Hashem created him. And what he's feeling is, he just feels himself becoming farther and more distant and more distant from Hashem. So he doesn't have the good qualities to be able to appreciate good things, but he does have this capability to know that he's a Bria of Hashem and he's just becoming more and more distant from where he comes from and what his true, uh, his, his creator basically is. But then there's a second level of a, uh, a, a individual that needs a bitush. And, and this type of individual is that he's so far away from Hashem, he says he's so humi vagasa, he's so corporeal and thick that he, the ruchnis is not at all able to penetrate him. He doesn't even have that capability that his neshama will have an effect on the shama how it is below in his body. Even the idea that he's a briah of Hashem, even that's not felt within him. So he's com- there's a complete talent of Hester. So such an individual that has a complete hell and a hester, the Basque is also not going to help. So the only thing that's going to help is it has to be a physical type of bitush. It has to be a verbal type of, uh, of, of bitush. Uh, at least it could be. The rabbi over here talks about a verbal, I guess I'm assuming, but that could be wrong, but maybe probably also physical would be the same thing. Uh, but either way, over here, we're talking about a verbal one. Um, he says the expression of the geshrei, atera, Russia, Moshukas is an expression from uh, chapter 29 in Tanya, how evil and Russia and disgusting he is. And through this is a pale, a breaking in his whole mohus, the essence of who he is. And through this, he becomes a Kuli Kadusha. So even this individual that's far away from Hashem, that can't even feel how far away from Hashem he is, because he's not connected to that Nishama. But what he is able to have a recognition is that he's something, how he is right now is disgusting. So he doesn't know what he's far away from. He doesn't know, you know, what he could come close to. But the only thing that seems like he's able to recognize is that how he is at this particular moment is something which is horrible. And that breaks him. And then at that point, once he has that broken heart, then he could come eventually to uh, Kedusha. He becomes a Kli for Kedusha. Uh, and this, in R20, the Rebbe is Medayik in Tanya, that these two levels are spoken about. It says, Berkhop Tess, it's talking about an individual that is, he says, oh, the, the piece of wood that, the Zohar tells us about the piece of wood that's so thick you can't have a fire that's able to go into the piece of wood. It's not able to take a flame. So what you need to do is you need to break that piece of wood and then once it's in small pieces, then the flame is able to catch on. This flame would be the idea of the Shekhinah. So Berkhop Tess discusses different ways how a person is able to, to break his humrius that he's able to feel uh, so I believe the last way that the Rebbe talks about is the idea of being Ram, a shukr, something which is a person has to scream at itself how bad and disgusting that he is. And um, and then it tells us 
Uh, this is the expression. It says, Atara, Rasha, Meshukat, Metuvah, Menuvah, like all the names that the Chacham have called us. And he continues, Ad Until when will you hide and conceal the light of Hashem, who is Mamalek HaYalam, and Hayahay Vidiyah, Veshava, etc., etc. And then later on, it, it gives us an example. He says, Dabrzeh is actually, he says, clearly in the Torah. Because we find the Baraglim, Kumesh Mitzinu Dabrzeh Mufurif B'Tayra, Kamim Baraglim. We find this thing very clearly in the Torah by the Baraglim. Shvetchila Amru, at the beginning, they said, Kichazakum Emenu Atik Menu Kulu. Meaning is that Shalai Haminu Be'achayos Hashem. They do not believe in the capabilities of Hashem. And then afterwards, they said, you know what, we'll go out. We're ready, we'll go out. So the question is, Ma'im Chazra, Uvala Hamamunu Be'achayos Hashem. Where did it come to them, this belief in the capabilities of Hashem? Moshevin didn't show them any type of miracle. Rock, the only thing he did was like this. And he swore not to bring them into the land. How did this help them at all? If they don't believe in the Yechayi Hashem, why telling them that you're not going to go out there to Israel and Hashem is upset, why would that help them? Anyways, they didn't believe that Hashem was able to go out. So he's screaming at them, you're going to die there. All of a sudden, now they do believe that Hashem is able to get up. He didn't show them a miracle. He didn't tell them about the power in Hashem and Hashem could. He doesn't convince them of that. He just kind of breaks them. Uh, so rather is, it's because the Yidin are Mamidim B'nai Mamidim. Fine. And it's just because of the Sitra'acha, which is inside of them, that is concealing their true Amun and Hashem. So the Rebbe Zemdayek, that the two levels that he speaks about. So initially he says, we're talking about an individual that is far away from Hashem. But part of the thing that he, he's saying is, until when will I, will I conceal the R and Saif? So we're talking about an individual that has a feeling that he's causing a concealment of the R and Saif. This is similar to the Mishnah of Yavis, the, the Briois, that they feel the El they feel this idea of Nazifa. So that seems like the first level that the Rebbe is talking about. But then he continues on that even someone that Begui does not have any belief in the capability of Shem like the Miraglim, that when he's broken through a bitush gashmi, is a physical type of bitush, then the, it becomes revealed their, uh, uh, what, what they truly want. Meaning is that the reason why the Miraglim turn, uh, or at least the people who are listening to Miraglim, were chayzer v'tshuva, was not because they heard Baskal, it was rather because Moshe Rebbeinu tells them how they're going to die in the Midbar and that they're not going to go into Eretz Yisrael. So it was physical words telling them what's going to happen to them. That's what caused it. So the first level we're talking about is when the person is feeling how far a distance he is away from Shem. So that'll be the first Daga. The second one, which is Mefurish Petaira, is saying that even, it doesn't have to be a spiritual idea that you're feeling distance from Hashem. Even a, a Pitush Gashmi telling you that you're not going to go up to Yisrael, you're going to get punished, whatever it is, that itself is also able to affect a person. So we see these two ideas. Uh, of, again, the spiritual type of feeling distance from Hashem, and the second dagger would be is that the physical bitush, not even discussing anything to do with Hashem, but just a, a bitush gashmi about how disgusting or horrible or, or bad things will happen to the individual, uh, or how uh, th- that itself would uh, also hold them back, uh, sorry, would also cause a shvira and cause them to return to Hashem. Uh, the Rebbe does point out, though, with these tibiyukim, um he says there, are, there is a different way of learning the Tanya, both in the beginning and at the end. <laughs> he says at the beginning where it says how disgusting he is and he feels that he's, how Hashem, uh, how, how distant Hashem is, away, uh, how, how 
he's hiding Hashem until when will I be tasted with Nehar and Seyfarachu? The Rebbe does give the possibility that there's two things that are going on. That initially it's talking about the Nech Bahamas, that the Nech Bahamas is saying that you're Meshuk, it's Mutuva and disgusting. And then when he says, and Admasik Tasim of Nech Bahamas and Saif, that's actually going on the Nech Bahamas, because it does say afterwards, he yells that, all he does say, Yoel and Nech Bahamas, Lahir and Laina, but MS Yichud are in Saif, Briachushis, that this will help for the Nech Bahamas. So he does give the Kate possibility that maybe the Alter Rebbe is saying is that the first part is helping for the Nech Bahamas. So that would be the Meshuk, it's Mutuva, just saying Dvarm Gashmian. So that would be really the second Darga. And then when it talks about Tasta, you're, you're hiding Hashem, you're, 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 you're a concealment for Hashem, that could be something that is only affecting the natural kiss. So it is a possibility. So according to this way, even at the beginning of the, of the parak, it's talking about a, the second darga, that just through the words itself, and then he brings an example of the Baranglim, which is also just Dvarim Gashmin, the words, at the Meshuk, and then he gives an example of the Baranglim, so it would fit that it's only one darga. And then the part in, the, in between, that's for the natural kiss to think about. Uh, and then, of course, he gives the uh, opposite option also at the end, that when it says that the Meraglim are broken because of those words that Moshe Rabbeinu tells them, he does mention that the Alter Rebbe does say, does say that Moshe Rabbeinu mentions Eich Shekotz Hashem Aleim, how Hashem is upset. So you could learn that this that Hashem is upset at them, that also has an effect. So that we mean they're, they're being, becoming broken because they feel that Hashem is upset. So they have some type of over there, that Hashem is upset with them, so they're feeling distance from Hashem. So that would be more like the first level. So you could really read both ways, but the, both Dargis, both at the beginning and at the end, but just to give you the full picture, the first, the main way that the Rebbe is trying to show in the Ha'ara 20 is the first way I mentioned, that at the beginning it seems like it's talking about um, a someone who feels distance from Hashem, and then the, the, the example that he gives in the Meraglim is when it's Dvarim Gashmi. So that's the main way, but we do have that option that you are able to read both the beginning and the idea of the Maragam in a different way. Okay, either way, those are the two levels. So according to this, we could, uh, now let's give some examples. It seems like a very, um, this idea that an individual who has a Helen behester that is unable to feel Hashem, and he doesn't feel distance, that's not what bothers him, and he needs some type of words to break in physical words, how bad he is, or how Meshuk Tzvotuv, that on its own is able to break individual. We're going to give some examples of where we find this concept. Again, we're not talking about the greatness of Hashem or even being distanced away from Hashem. It's just talking about the person on his own, how you are Matuv Meshukets. So one example we have is from a famous story of Elozer of Shimon. This is in Masechus Tainus, Tavchaf. So it tells us that Elozer of Shimon traveling and he met a person that was was very ugly. And uh, Rabbi Shimon tells him, you're, you're so, look how disgusting this person is. So he replies back and go to the Uman, go back to the um, the, the craftsman that, that made me and tell him how, how disgusting is this clay. And the story continues on until, you know, Rabbi Shimon realized he did something wrong, he asked for forgiveness, etc., etc. But the question is, what was his machava? Like, why would he call someone disgusting? What's what's the point of that? And of course, what's what's what was he initially thinking? He's initially thinking he's mechur, and then he tells him, "Oh, Hashem made me." He knew that at the beginning that Hashem made him. So what will mikar Suffer, What happened at the end? Like, what's going on? And and of course, the B would be the question would be is why would he say that anyways? So the pshat is that when Rulazim Shimon was talking to this individual, he didn't he didn't he made beikar. 
He wasn't talking about his physical appearance. What was really bothering him was the spiritual appearance that Baruchnius, this individual, is Mahur. And Elizabeth Shimon felt that this person was so Mahur, Baruchnius, he was like the second Darga of Mahur. You couldn't even talk about the great, A, you couldn't talk about the greatness of Tyra, and you couldn't even talk to him about how distant he is from Hashem. The only thing you could talk to him was that he's just physically disgusting. Like you were so disgusting physically, and as a person, maybe you'd also even talk about how he is, that you were a disgusting individual. And he was hoping that that insult would break him, like uh, uh, break him to a certain extent. That was his hope. And then once he'd be broken, then he'd be able to, uh, this individual has an actual kiss, this would automatically bring him closer to Hashem. So the individual replies back to him, go to the Uman Shasani. Meaning, for A, that it worked, it seems like, to a certain extent. He said, how ugly you are. He was very distant. And then he recognizes already that there's an Uman Shasani. He recognizes the belief in Hashem. But even more than that, it's not just that there is a Hashem. He says that there's an Uman Shasani. So it's not just that um, he was created, but he says it's like an Uman that makes me. An Uman, when it creates a Kli, it has a purpose for it. So he's basically telling Rabbi Shimon, I also have a purpose. Hashem created me with a purpose. And when Rabbi Lazar Shimon hears that response, how easy it came, and more importantly, that as soon as he responds, he doesn't just say that there's a God. No, he responds that with an expression that has, the craftsman that made me with a purpose, he realized that he wasn't on such a low level. So therefore, you didn't need, he didn't need to insult him. And that's how the Gemara finishes off that this type of idea, you shouldn't be ruggling. Bavad, remember quotes it in our, uh, it says R21 star. He says, I'll piece, uh, 20, 23, I'm sorry, 23. He says, this is what the Gemara finishes. Bavad shleye ruggalases. means you shouldn't be accustomed to do this. Or, uh, the Lord says you should, doesn't say you should never do this. It says you shouldn't be ruggled to do this anymore. Because there is such a purpose for this type of ahaga, but just, it shouldn't be by all people. Because most people do not need such a nazifa in order to awaken them to do tshuva. So even Bachatzainis, they look mukhur, they look disgusting. It doesn't mean that that's how they truly are. And you already misjudged that so you should know this is something which is not, uh, you know, a go-to first option. Uh, fine. A second example the Rebbe gives, this is a story from the Rebbe Rishab, um, which we're going to see. It's 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 the same like, a concept, but it's it, but it's an, it's being used in a different way. This is going to be used, I guess, in a, in a way la malusa. You'll you'll see what I mean. So the story is that after the Rebbe Rishab uh, became Rebbe, a chassid came in who had a lot of tsars and a lot of issues, and he asked the Rebbe for a bracha, and the Rebbe told him that he's not able to do anything and. The person was in a very bad situation. He had no other options. So when he left, he just broke out crying. And he sees the Rebbe Shab's brother, the Rezal. The Rezal asks what happens. And he tells him, like, how the horrible thing is that he has no, he has no hope. And then he went to the Rebbe Shab, And the Rebbe says he can't help him. And then he says that destroyed any vestige of hope that he had left. And he doesn't know what to do. So the Rezal goes back into the Rezal and asks, my high, why would you do such a thing? So Shab puts on his garkle and tells him to come back in. And then he gives him a bracha. And he explains that when he initially came in, he wasn't able to do anything because he wasn't a cleave for this bracha. And what he was hoping to accomplish was that the person, that, that the individual will become broken by me telling him that there's no options from that. Even I cannot give him a bracha that would destroy his mitzis, which destroy his identity, would destroy, destroy who he is. It's breaking the cleave. 
in that sense. And once the Kli was broken, he was able to fashion a new Kli. He was able to believe in Hashem in a much greater way, that, that the true opposite of Hashem. But, but what are we seeing over here is what the Rebbe Hashem did, he didn't give him a, a deeper explanation about the godless of Hashem and Amunah and Hashem and Betachan of Hashem and therefore give him a greater ability to believe. Rather, he just broke him by saying that he, he's unable to do anything. So it cooks the chai. So what we're seeing over here is that the, the, the person being broken because of his bitter matzav, that itself caused him to pour out his heart in front of Hashem. And therefore he became a new metzias. And because of that, he was a new metzias. He was able, also able to kabbal the bracha of Hashem. The Rebbe brings the R27. Similarly, we see by Elizabeth Nudaya that uh, when he heard that Hashem would not be Makabal's tshuva, and uh, he also heard the note, not the mountains, the rivers, nobody's going to be Mavakish Rachamamin. He started crying to Bechia, and then he put his hands, his knees between his legs, and he um, cried. And uh, in part from the Shmasa, and Rebbe said that he was quite, you know, an individual that acquires his world in one moment. What happened over there? Again, it was this idea is that he felt that there was no hope for him. There, there was no one that's able to help him. Everyone's, the, the woman, okay, I have to go back to the story. The story was that he was with a Zaina, and the Zaina tells him that just like the gas that you passed is not going to return to its source, similarly, you will never return to your source. So what broke him was her words that he's unable to do tshuva. So she's not telling him the mindless of the tire. It just tells him that you're an individual who can't do tshuva. And he goes to the mountains and the river asks for them to be Mavakish Rachman and says, no one can help you. It broke him as an individual. So again, we're seeing this idea that being broken as an individual is what causes him um, to eventually uh, return to Hashem. So it was the breaking. Because, because what happened over there? What happened by that Zoyna? What did she tell him? She says, you just can't do tshuva. So that's what broke him by, by showing him that he was such a bad person. And then eventually, I think, so I think that was the main point. But eventually he gets awakened that he wants to return to Hashem and he feels how distant he is from Hashem. But I think the main point, what initially happened is he didn't have any feelings for Hashem. It was just made clear to him how distant and disgusting he is. That's what caused the whole astonishment of he wants to become closer to Hashem because of that. So I think that's what the Rebbe is trying to bring by Lazar the Dayan. So according to this, we could um, understand uh, what the purpose was of by by Ben Noyach. Right, because we're saying that Avram Avinu, what he did was he forces them, he breaks them, he forces them to bless Hashem. So the difference between a Yid and a, by a Yid and a Goy, you can have this type of conduct. You can Mavatish a Yid and also you can Mavatish a Goy. The difference is a Yid has a Nefeshulikis. So when you Mavatish him, you break him, what eventually becomes revealed is the Nefeshulikis. A Goy doesn't have a Nefeshulikis, but a Goy is, of course, also created from Hashem. In Chassidus, we know the Goy comes from Klippas Noiga. Klippas Noiga is Hashem, it's, it's, it's Klippa, so Hashem is hidden. But Noiga, there's still a shine. There's still a recognition that Hashem is the one that created the Klippa. So in the Klippa itself, they feel their own identity. But nonetheless, they know that there's a shine because they know where they came from. It's the idea of Klippa Noiga. Kedusha is complete Bittal Hashem. Klippa Noiga is the recognition that there is a God. So when a guy becomes broken, it gives him the capability to return to who he was. It breaks all the klipas that are around him, and he becomes klipas naiga. And therefore, such an individual, he could become one of the Zion, uh, uh, what's it called, the Hasidim Ilmas Aylam, 
and he's able to reach his potential, which is to do design mitzvahs, and this individual has a chilef lo'elam haba. So even a goy, a ben noyach, he has the capability to reach a certain level of, of get lachkai. So what will happen by the nazifa, by him, it just, it's not going to automatically make it happen. Like by yid, you break him, and the natural lachkai becomes revealed. But by goy, it just gives him the capability. It's like klipa right? Just like klipa it could be used for good or it could be used for bad. So it depends really how he responds. But it breaks off the external aspects. He becomes klipa and then he has, uh, he really has that choice. So that's what happened by Avram Avinu. So what happens by Avram Avinu that he puts them in a situation um, with a lot with a lot of pressure. The, the expression the Medrash uses is a lashna of aksa. Aksa is. Um, I think causing some type of uh, like a, a pressure, a, a distress, uh, some type of tsar, like a lashon of a tsar, like a tzadik resh, in a narrow strait. And what happens is that once that stress is put on the individual and he realizes he has no choice and he's getting scared with all the money that he's going to have to pay, it, it removes all the khalifa that he's gathered throughout his life and, and it breaks it and then it returns to who he is, which is the khalifa's naiga. And then when you have the Klippas Nega, then you have the people capability either to go for Kedusha or not. So by some individuals who came to Avram Avinu, their Klippa is not so strong. Their, their, their Gassus and Chumris is not that strong. So as soon as he tells them about Davin to thank Hashem, they're able to thank Hashem right away. And what, it's not just telling them to thank Hashem, he's also explaining to them about what Hashem is. Be'yakri Hashem, be'yikra, he calls him Kel Oilam, you know, Chassidus explain Kel Oilam, Hashem is one with the world. Avram Avinu is explaining to them, not just Baruch would say these words that you don't know what it means, rather he's explaining to them what Hashem is, and when they bless, they're blessing with a full heart, they have the capability. This individual, so gossip of Chumis, that has Be'er Mu'an to help him. Avram couldn't have convinced him just by explaining it to him. So it seems like how the Rebbe is learning it is that the first level is they would come to thank him. Avram Avinu would say, bless Hashem, they're like, what, what is that? And he would explain it to them, and then eventually they, they liked it, then they blessed Hashem. So the food and the drink really just gave them the capability that they would have to speak with them, and then they were able to makabal it on their own. This other individual, so gospel Bechumnius, he comes, he gets the food and drink, but, and Avram Ravinu tells them, to, tells them to bless Hashem, but he's unable to, he's like, well, it, it, he's not able to connect to it. So when he gets the pressure and it breaks somewhat of his personality, then he becomes like a regular Ben Nayach. And then the Hezbeam that he heard already earlier are able to penetrate and able to go within him. Because even a Ben Noyach comes from a Klippus Even the Indian of a Ben Noyach understands there's an idea of Yesh Bira, the Yesh Balabais, the Bira Zu. That's one of the Mashalim that were, that how Avram Avinu came to the idea of Hakara and the Metzius of Hashem, is that he saw a mansion and he recognized the mansion couldn't have just come by itself. There must have been builders. There must be a Balabais that made this house. So similarly, we have this fantastic world there must be a balabais. And that's a concept that even a guy, Avram Avinu, at that point, came to recognize the Shem So these are concepts that even a Banoich is able to appreciate and understand that there is a creator. But that there's just a gasus that's holding them back. So once you break that gasus, then that ability to recognize that there is Hashem is, 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 is given back to them. So just to jump back and summarize, which, which is interesting, is that we said by Yid, Yid always wants to do what Hashem wants, and there's an official kiss. And you, sometimes you need a break in a bit. There's one level of breaking, which is a one-time thing, like by like say, giving a get. But there's other type of nazifa that changes even his conscious type of rats and his rats and chutzoni that now he wants to do what Hashem is telling him to do. Like by the Maraglim, once a, a Moshe Benu gave them the nazifa, gave them the rebuke, now they want to do what Hashem wants. 
by goy, they don't have a nefshalikis. So by breaking them, it doesn't automatically mean they're going to feel close to Hashem. That bittel, which is naturally within the yid, the, the Rebbe calls it from the Baal Shem, the Oitzvisikars, that they have these treasure houses within them of Amuna and Avas Hashem. They don't have that. But they do have a potential. So by breaking that, what it's revealing is the potential that they always had. And then by explaining to them about the Mitzvah Hashem, or in this situation, Avram first explained it, and then he pressured them, that is able to penetrate and they're able to believe and come to belief in Hashem. And the lesson is that we see from Avram Avinu that he did three things. A, he um, gave them, he, he, he didn't just stay in his house and wait for people to come to him, but rather he pulled other people from outside, the Alvar Vashav, the people who are passing by, he also brings them into his house. It's not just those who are already there, he's getting others to come in. Second thing, he's also giving food and drink. He's using his own nechassim, his property. He's getting them to come in. He's offering food and drink. And the third thing is that when that doesn't work, he p- applies pressure. And what that means is, in a way, how Torah says apply pressure, which is always in a beautiful and sweet way. Bedark Yishalem uh, is how you're supposed to do it. But there is some type of pressure, but of course, you know, pressure can be done also in a pleasant way and a loving way and that's of course what we're learning from Avram that has to be in this pleasant and loving way and through that we're able to affect others and it's a Kolshkin if by Avram he was able even 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 able to affect the Bnei Noyach so for sure Yid is able to be affected in such a way and through this will be Zoych Hazayim to Mashiach Sitkenu which will be the Zman of Mala Arts Day Hashem and we'll reach the time of Yaakov Chal Yisrael Le'elech Ba'alachad Le'bitka Gula Mitzah Shleim Ha'idei Mashiach Sitkenu